We'll be reading from Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, begin in verse 19. I know it's in the, kind of in the middle of a discussion. I'll get you up to speed of where we're coming from. <clears throat> this morning we talked, uh, kind of ended our thoughts on uh, the storm and Peter walking on the water. Is uh, to do what Jesus is doing. And we understand if we're going to do what Jesus is doing, it will require some help. Understandably and pretty obviously, it will require some help from the Lord. Remember, Peter couldn't walk on the water until Jesus gave him permission. And we know he certainly couldn't walk on the water except Jesus gave him that ability. He enabled him to do what he himself was doing. Jesus has asked us to do what he is doing. We went over the list today of what the church should be doing uh, that's all in the heart of Christ. But also, we're going to require some help from each other. To do what Jesus is doing, we need each other. Now, I'm looking at this passage of Scripture because, as you see, we're having the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And I never really just like to tack that on at the end of a service. We need to know why we do this. And this passage of Scripture that we're going to look at ties in directly to why we have the ordinance of the Lord's Supper from time to time on a regular basis. And we're looking in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Would you stand as the Scripture's read, please? Just to get you up of where we are, Paul has been preaching, speaking to them about his uh, captivity, about his incarceration in jail, and he ends his discussion with this, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice and will rejoice. And in verse 19, and I know that this, the preaching of Christ, his preaching of Christ, will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Christ Jesus. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit in my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is all connected with everything that we need to know of the things we need to do. We thank you that your word gives us help to do what is required of us, to do what Jesus is doing. Father, as we lean on you and as we lean on each other, we ask that individually and as a church, we would be about your business doing what Jesus is doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. 
This uh, passage that I want to zero in on is verse 27. Verse 27 reads this, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He introduces this, this passage with the word only. Now, the word only, of course, if you look back at the original language, doesn't mean only, only. It means something far more. Greek scholars, of course, give us several renditions because the Greek word that is for this word cannot be translated very easily into one English expression. Here's the different expressions that this word only uh, denotes when it, inter when it introduces this passage. Above all, always remember one thing. One thing you must do, whatever happens. Now, each of these could introduce this passage of Scripture. One thing you must do, whatever happens. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So we have lifestyle. The King James says conversation. It means more than talking back and forth. The old English word means lifestyle or conduct. And it says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. King James says it this way, as becometh the gospel. And the word is used in our modern English if somebody says, well, that, that, uh, that shirt becomes you. It means it makes you look attractive. We don't use it that much. I remember when I was uh, introduced to this word when I was in elementary school. I thought it was kind of an awkward thing. But it's a beautiful thing now because let our conduct be such that it makes the gospel look attractive. Let our conduct make the gospel look attractive. Now, a hardliner will say, well, the gospel is always attractive. And you're right, unless we make it look unattractive by claiming to adhere to the gospel and our lifestyle is something altogether different. What he's saying is, you need to let your conduct, your lifestyle, specifically the way you treat others, and the way we interact with people, the way we handle ourselves in and around our, our society, let our conduct be such to where the gospel is as attractive as it should be to the people around us. And what he's saying is we can embellish the gospel and make it look better, but we can a lot of times make it look shabby if our lifestyle is not what it should be. And so he's saying this, above all, always remember one thing. Let our lifestyle be such as it lets the gospel shine through. And then he says this, Whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. You stand fast in one spirit. Standing fast means that you stand against whatever may come. You have to stand for God and stand against what's wrong. But he says this, and this is where we start zeroing in our focus on why we do what we do here uh, every quarter. That you stand fast in one spirit, in one spirit with one mind. One spirit and one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. That word faith there means the whole teachings of the gospel. Striving together. 
This morning we spoke of a time to work together. And, of course, we looked at the disciples. We looked at the disciples, and everybody was rowing. Everybody was rowing hard. And the important thing, they were all rowing in the same direction. If one side of the boat was rowing in one direction and the other side was rowing in all the other direction, all they would do is go around in a circle. Working hard is not enough. We have to work hard together. Now, striving together is a Greek word. It mean, and, and the way you pronounce it is sin athleo. Now, the last part of that word is athleo, from which we get athlete, sports. And what it means is to compete intensely to win the game. Uh, some English translations just call it struggle, that you struggle together. And it's talking about to compete intently to win the game. But now that, that other prefix is important. Because it doesn't say that you struggle intently to win the game, but that you strive together. That word sin, S-Y-N, on the front of that athleo means that you are playing as a team. And that is extremely important. You may have five very talented people on the basketball court. If they're not playing as a team, the game will not be won. As we come together in a church, we have various talents, a lot of talented people, a lot of abilities here. And, of course, we realize we play as a team. We work together. And like the disciples all did their part to row that boat as they were waiting on Jesus, they were working together, and there's a time to work together. But there's a requirement here. How are we going to work as a team? One spirit with one mind. Go back to the basketball analogy. Brother Garrett's got a lot of good plays, real good plays, got some good athletes. In order for that ball to go in the hoop, they have to have their mind on the same play, don't they? They have to be of the same mind. If they're not thinking alike, well, they're not going to play as a team. We have to be thinking alike. We have to have the same mind and the same spirit. Now, it doesn't mean we have to all be alike, but we have to be of the same mind. Now, that does not work if we don't have the right mind. I mean, a church can be totally unified and be totally wrong. A group of people can be totally unified and be totally wrong. What does all that have to do with the Lord's Supper? Paul explains in chapter 2, verse 5. Remember, he said, I want to hear that you're all playing as a team. You're all working hard together of the same mind. And then he says, here's the mind you should have. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, coming to the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's what we commemorate when we come together for the Lord's Supper. His death on the cross. And what that means is this. He said, let this mind be in you. 
In other words, we may, may we don't never need to leave our leave our focus, lose our focus on the cross. So from time to time, we have the Lord's Supper. And Jesus said, as much as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. You show my death until I come. If we're going to do what Jesus is doing, we have to work hard together. But we don't have just any old game plan will do, no matter how much we can all get on board in the game plan. We have to have the right focus and the right priority. And the right focus and the right priority as a church is the gospel that Jesus Christ came to die for sinners, to pay the death on the cross. And our salvation is not cheap. Our church was bought with the blood of Christ. That's what we remember. And so we have the same mind. Let's have the right mind. And the right mind is, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who left the glory, humbled himself, became obedient to the death, even the death on the cross. With that, we will go into our our time of observing the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask if my brethren that will be at